0: Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, basic guidelines for reading the Bible. If you're a Christian, then you know that reading the Bible is essential to one's spiritual growth. If you don't know that... You should have heard it taught to you from the pulpit, from the assembly of believers. You should have received exhortations to read God's word. And in fact, not only should you have received exhortations, but you should have been given examples of the reading of God's word in the public assembly itself. Now I can't go over all the guidelines on this podcast, but I want to just lay down sort of a basic principle of the importance of, of reading the Bible. But knowing that something is important doesn't mean that we will do it, especially if it's challenge involved in it. And that's the way many people approach the reading of Scripture. They know they should do it. Christians know they should do it. And they make a stab at it Sometimes. But for various reasons, they don't always pick up the book and read. But I want us to understand how important it is that we pick up the book and read it. Read it for ourselves. Now, that means that we must go by some basic reading guidelines, some understanding of how you read a text. Because, after all, the Bible is a book. In fact, it is a collection of books, a collection of writings, and those writings come at different stages in redemptive history, and they come in different genres, different types of literature. Each one must be respected for what it is. But first, let's just understand how important God's written word is, because you see, his written word is the record that we have of his intervening word in the history of the people he's chosen. He began with the Hebrew nation, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and those other people that we read about in what we call the Old Testament, probably better referred to as the First Testament, or the covenantal scriptures from the First Covenant. We talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament or the First Testament and the Second Testament. Or we could talk about the Testament of revelation that begins and points to Christ and the revelation of fulfillment that comes in Christ that's recorded for us in the pages of the New Testament or the New Covenant writings that we call the New Testament. Let's understand the importance of all of this. The Apostle Peter writes in his first letter, as newborn babes desire pure spiritual milk, which he identifies as the good news of the word of God. That was a passage of scripture that I recently heard and read. Here's here's the passage. The Apostle is writing about the fact that we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And how did this happen? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Why? Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the abiding Word of God. And then he cites Old Testament Scriptures from the prophet Isaiah For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away certain things, all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. That is all interpersonal transgressions that can occur in a company of people. Put those away from you. Instead, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual miracle so that by it you may grow up into salvation. That is, that you might mature in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and through him in your knowledge of God. So the word of God is very important. Not only does Peter write this, but the apostle James writes the following. He writes in James eighteen, of his own will, he's talking about God. In other words, God of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So you see, the word of God, the message of God's revelation that's recorded for us in the scriptures is essential for us coming to know God through the spiritual birth. We call this the new birth or being born again by hearing the message of Christ and believing in him with all of our hearts. But having come to faith in Christ, we need to feed on his word. So let me just think about this. Are we ever told that we should read scripture? See, sometimes we hear things that we ought to do, but where where do I find that written in the scripture? Well, let me begin sort of at the beginning. The first books of the Bible are those written by Moses in the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of what we call the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when we come to Joshua, which follows right after Deuteronomy, we have Moses' successor. And Moses, when he is going to be leaving, and God is going to... uh, Put him to death, basically, on the Mount Nebo. He's going to perish there. And the people are then going to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land. And Joshua is the one whom God has appointed to lead him. And he meets the angel of the Lord in Joshua one And the angel of the Lord is a study in and of itself. But this angel of the Lord comes with the Lord's own power and person. And this is what He's told, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, so that's the writings of Moses, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success as a successor of Moses, as the leader of the people of God, as they advance into Canaan land. So Moses wrote these words in the book of the law. God gave him many of these words directly and he wrote them down. This is known as the law. Now there are promises in there too, but primarily Moses' writings give us history of the creation of the world in early human history, the founding of the nation of Israel through the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the sons of Jacob, leading to the Hebrew people and then to Moses and Joshua. Through these people, the word of God came, the revelation of the true God came, this climaxed in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Joshua, having received the books that Moses wrote, is to read them, to meditate on them, and be careful to obey them, to go by what is written therein. Now there are other Old Testament writings. There's the law, there's the prophets, there's the writings, which are the Psalms, they're poetry primarily, and then there's books of prophecy. Most of those prophecies deal primarily with the history of the nation of Israel, but they're almost prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, and even embedded in them are prophecies concerning the end of the ages, which is, brings us up to our own time beginning with Christ himself. So, this is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, with reference to what we call... The scriptures of the first testament. He says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So he's expecting that we will hear what's written, read it, or have it read to us and explained to us, that we might grow in our endurance and being encouraged in our walk with the Lord and have hope because God's word is given to us for that purpose. The author of Hebrews speaks about the word. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, the written word, which is inspired by the spirit of God, has the power to penetrate us spiritually and in so doing, can lead us to an understanding of our sin, an understanding of the remedy for our sin in Jesus Christ himself, and give us the guidance that we need as believers in the living God. But now scripture comes to us in a number of ways. Here in, in our country, or in what we call the more educated Nations of the world, that's basically a lot of them, or most of them today. We have the scriptures written. We can purchase the scriptures, especially in the Western world. And many of us had more than one Bible in our homes. Now, the other day I was visiting with a friend and was talking about scripture with another person. And I asked the person if they had a Bible. And she said, yes, I have three of them. And she went and found the Bibles and brought them. Now, then we opened up the Bible and we read a particular section of the Word. Now, when we do that, we need to pay attention to the guidelines guidelines for reading Scripture. Now, I cannot go through all of them today, but let me talk about one or two very important things. Perhaps we need to contrast it between the improper reading and the proper reading. It's improper to take the Bible and just open up a verse of scripture anywhere and just read it and therefore think that that's God's word for us today, his instruction for the day. That's trying to use the Bible like it's some kind of magic book, like it's some kind of uh, instruction, almost like uh, some kind of scriptural uh, astrology. No, that's not how you read God's word. If that's the only way you read God's word, you're not reading the word of God properly. To read the word of God properly, you need to read it in, let me call it chunks. You you need to read it in sections. In fact, one of the first things you need to do is you need to take a, a book of the Bible, one of the writings of the Bible, you need to read the whole thing. Start at the beginning and go to the end. Don't stop on every verse and try to figure out everything right then. Read it to the end so that you can get a general idea of where the author is going and his purpose. So you can have the ideas you need to have in your head, the subjects, as you go back and then read it more carefully in chunks. Now this is easy to do with the letters in the New Testament. So let's talk about those for a moment the letters. I'm talking about such things as Romans and Corinthians, okay, and the book of Hebrews or James or First Peter. Uh, these are letters written by the apostles, Peter uh, and Paul and James, Jude, John, who wrote the gospel. Their gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do those primarily give us the incidences in the life of Jesus the Messiah that point to him as being the Messiah, So they are the witness to Christ, to his person, to his work. They don't record everything there was to know about Jesus. They're not biographies in the strict sense, though you certainly get a biographical sketch of the days and years of his ministry, which is probably three or four years. And you need to read those. If you want to know Christ, you need to read what the apostolic witnesses have given about him, about his person, about his teachings, about his, uh, the events of his life and their significance. But the full significance is unfolding for us in the epistles. So the epistles are very important in our understanding of the story of Christ. So how important is this? Well, let's, let's think about the Apostle Paul. He went and he preached the gospel. That is, he preached the message of Christ. And he did so by taking the what we call the Old Testament scriptures and from them he demonstrated how Jesus fulfilled them and how Jesus was the one they were talking about. So he laid it out by reading those scriptures in their context with the understanding that Christ himself is the one who fulfills them and he shows how that is true and is verified by Christ's resurrection from the dead. This is a key to everything Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So he goes into an area of what we would today call Greece and Asia Minor, Macedonia, and those areas. And we read that he went to an area called Berea. And previously he had been in Thessalonica. He preached the gospel in both places. And primarily what would he do? He would go into these areas and on the Sabbath day, that's the seventh day of the week, on the Saturday, we call it, he would go into the synagogue where the Jews gathered. After all, he was a Jew and he was used to worshiping God on the Sabbath day, as given in the law of Moses. And he would there and he would open up the scriptures. His opportunity was given to share in the congregation, and he would show Christ in the scriptures. As recorded about the Berean Jews in Acts 17 11. now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. How did they do that? Well, they had to open up the text. They had to open up the text that was given there in in the synagogues. They had to read them or have them read aloud. And they would follow the words to see the message he was giving about Christ lined up with what the prophets were saying. Seeing that it was there. They believed it, received it with all eagerness of heart. This is what we must do. Because you see, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete and equipped with every good work. Now, Christ himself is the one who lays down the foundational principle for Christian reading of the scriptures. Because after his resurrection of the dead, he took the scriptures of what we call the First Testament, the Old Testament, and from them he showed how he was the Christ, how his death, resurrection, his ascension was all prophesied in the prophets and how he fulfilled that word that God has spoken. This is what we must do. We must take the word that God has given we must read it. Now, it must come to us in many different forms. It's not just reading it at home privately, though we shouldn't do that, especially if we have Bibles, but it's to be read publicly in the church services. Not just a, a pastor reading out a, a short passage or reading out a verse, but read the scriptures, read related scriptures that are found about that topic so that you can relate the Old Testament and the New Testament and the different types of literature in the Bible to the message that's being preached. Read God's word publicly in the assembly of believers. We should sing God's word. We should sing it to one another. These are the exhortations in the word of God, is that we sing God's word, that we sing it to one another, because this brings encouragement. It brings knowledge and encouragement, as well as the means by which we may give thanks to God and praise to God. Listen, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. How? Well, we speak it, yes, but here, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Singing in the church should certainly bring praise to God. And we should focus on those hymns that do bring praise and honor and glory to God. But we must also utilize the hymns that give us the teaching of God's Word, that enable us to exhort one another, encourage one another, proclaim the truth to one another. These are some guidelines that I want to give to you today. It's important that you read God's Word and that in reading it, you read it in the public assembly, you read it in the privacy of your own home and life, that you sing it to one another, that you share God's word one another. But you must pay attention, must pay attention to certain guidelines. That is that the Old Testament is preparatory for the New Testament. It all points to Christ. So as a Christian, Jesus Christ himself is the primary criterion by which we judge, understand, and interpret the scriptures. Happy reading.